But anyway, he has something he wants me to do. So last week, he, he prompted me and he made a statement, and I want to make this to you. You need to hear what I'm going to say. I've been in what we call the faith movement, the faith and word movement for 40 years. My mentor is Kenneth E. Hagin. I've sat under the greatest men of God that are walking the planet today. I got to have lunch with Dr. Osborne. I've got to sit under Brother Hagen. I uh, listened to Lester Summerall, uh, uh, Norval Hayes. I mean, I'm talking about some of the greatest men of God that ever walked the planet. And I've got to sit with them, meet with them, hear the word of God and learn from them. But, the, but October of this year, the Lord said something to me. And this is why I'm very strong about this. He said, everything changes now. And you know, for us that have been doing it a certain way for a long time, we don't change quick. We don't even like change unless it's in the tray from your dollar when you buy uh, something. But we really don't like to change. We like to just keep doing the same way we're doing it. But he said to me, everything's changing. And, uh, and, and the Lord's new year is not January. So everybody talks about the Lord. That's not his new year. His new year is October. So in October, he said to me, everything changes in the world now. Everything's going to change. And I thought, I didn't really know everything he was talking about. But this is one of them. We went through a series, a time in America where we were singing. We were in the days of David. We were in the days uh, where we learned the word, where we had Bible teachers. The Bible teachers, and I remember this. I remember going to meetings in Orlando where we would line up outside of a conference center for an hour and away from the, to open the doors and go in and listen to Kenneth and Gloria Copeland or go in and listen to Jerry and, and go in and listen to Joyce Myers. And those are great days. That's not that, and that's not over. They're still doing it. That's not, but that was primary, number one. And the Lord said to me, he says, I'm changing because culture changed. You see, when everybody is living right and everybody's hungry for God, you have a culture, but the culture in America shifted. The culture in the world shifted. And when that happened, the preacher, the, the, the pastors and the teachers stepped away from the forefront. I don't mean they're not there. And he said to me, this is the time of the prophets. And because of that, we're, we're a little bit at odds because we don't even know what a prophet is. We have people running around with a card, prophet, prophetess, ah, whatever. All right, well, I don't, Mary Friend doesn't have a card, prophetess Mary Frances Everybody, You hang around her a few minutes and you go, uh, she's prophet. All right, go to Isaiah 60, and I'm going to cover something. And, I, you know, this is some of those things that you need to, um, everything in your life will change today. And I'm telling you all, you say, well, I wasn't planning on changing. Well, that's a choice, and that in, and that in itself is a change. Things are changing in the church, things are changing in the world, and everything's going to change in you. So I want to read something to you because when the prophets started preaching, and I'm talking about Jonathan Kahn, and I'm talking about, and I can't, it slipped my mind, what's the guy on the piano? Kim Clement. Clement. Listen, I love Kim. I, I listen to Kim. I, I, I mean, well, he's still on, even though he's going to be with Jesus. But you know, all of a sudden, people like Mary Frances Varallo and, and prophets stepped up and became center stage. And they started, the, and, and now, now here's the thing, they're not preaching. They're not, they don't have a notebook they're going through line upon line. One of the greatest prophets of our day that most people missed was Kenneth E. Hagin. Here's a man that talked to Jesus Christ face to face. Nine times. That nobody's ever done that. Past Paul. That never happened. And he, God used him as a prophet to turn the church. Turn us back to the word. Turn us back to the Holy Ghost. And made a great change. He's going home to be with the Lord. So, 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 but here's the issue with us today. We're hearing stuff that we never heard and we're going, wait a minute, that's a different sound. That doesn't sound like what we've been hearing for 20, 25, 30 years. It's still there. 
We still preach on who you are in Christ, what belongs to you, and in amazing grace, how good that we still preach those things. They're still true. But the prophets have stepped forward because society has changed. So someone said to me one day, they said, well, you know, this brother is preaching that our best days are ahead. And then the prophets over there said, judgment's coming. Which one's right? And last week we talked, well, they're both right. They are. They're both right. And that's, you know, to, and, I, and I want to say that so that you're not confused. You're not listening to David Wilkerson or you're not looking to somebody and they're going, hey, darkness is coming. You know, things are, you need to get ready. Things are getting tough. And you're going, well, my pastor told us last Sunday morning that our best days are ahead. I mean, we, I mean, come on. I'm, now I'm confused. Well, don't get confused. You're confused when you came. I'll unconfuse you. Isaiah 60, verse 1, there's a, is, a, is a prophecy about the church, the church of our day. Listen to this. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Say, that's me. That's, me. that's the church today. That's our, the church is about to experience its greatest move of God since the book of Acts. Oh yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna see this. We're gonna see a showdown with the devil. We're gonna watch Jesus roll up his sleeves and show the world who he is. And I mean it's exciting. I mean, we're living in times where I'm going, hey, this is exciting. But now what about all the you know the quote unquote doom and gloomers? Let's read the next one. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. Is that right? Yes, it is right. The world is crazy and getting worse. We have never seen the depth that a man will go full of Satan. But we will. We've watched some of it in the Middle East. Beheading children who get beheading. A man beheads his wife. I mean, you, you, you know, we're looking at stuff and going, are you serious? King Herod used to take boys, have sex with them, and not, didn't want anybody to touch them, so he threw them out the window and killed them. Y'all didn't know that. And there's stuff going on in this earth. A human being without God is capable of all kind of wickedness. So we're, we're hearing it, and some of us are still like, Really? You don't know whether you're a girl or a boy. Uh, I have a mirror you can borrow and you can check. And, you know, I'm thinking, no, you're not that stupid. But yet, we're hearing stuff and going, wow, y'all are crazy. And, and, and I don't think that they're done. And yet we're living in this time and God chose you to live in this time and he equipped you to live in this time and you're not an accident. So you're equipped for it and you'll do well. Let's finish reading. And the Lord will arise over you, say me. His glory will be seen upon me. The Gentiles, those are heathen, will come to your light. And kings, those are Christians, to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons will come from afar. Your daughters shall be nursed at your side. And you'll see and become radiant. That means your family members are going to come home. There's going to be a move of God. Your heart will swell with joy because the abundance of the sea. Sea is always masses of people are turned in you. And the wealth of the Gentiles will come to you. Say, that's prosperity. That's all good. That's all good. All right, but yet right now we're hearing a voice. Go to 1 Kings chapter 17, and let's talk about the fact that the prophets have stepped forward. The reason they've stepped forward is that the church and the world changed on them. And God is going to bring them out, and you're going to hear their voice. And they're going to, they will not sound like everyone else you've been listening to. That is why, listen, I know you want to stay in the charismatic revival. But God is moving. 
He's not leaving it behind. He's adding to it. The shift now is he starts using you. There's a major shift coming. But the shift, I'm going to show you what that is in a minute. Are you all ready for this? Are you really ready for this? Because it's, it's fixing to get really good. Wild and good. I love riding horses. And every once in a while, you get to go for a real ride. All right. They get frisky. First Kings chapter 17. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, a, a, a bad king, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there will not be dew or rain these years except at my word. Now, the prophets are stepping forward and they're prophesying stuff. We're, in, we're headed into a showdown right now that the world is going to know Jesus Christ is Lord. It'd be beyond anything y'all ever thought or saw. So, Right now, the prophets are stepping forward, and they're starting to say things, and we're going to be going, now watch your confession. Well, if they're prophesying, leave them alone. Just pay attention to them. They're going to start saying some things about the earth and about the world and about the body of Christ, and you need to listen. And I think the, the young man, the, the singer guy, um, when he prophesied Trump, let's go over this again, Trump wasn't running I mean, you stand up and say, I'm a prophet, and then you're, you're up there prophesying trumpet, trumpet, trumpet. Trump's going to win this election. He doesn't even know who Donald is. When, when the uh, Muslim had a vision from Jesus and took his vision to Billy Brim, she said she had enough wisdom to go, well, we'll see. But everybody in Texas was Cruz. And they thought, well... This is pizza. But God let it be known that he already had someone picked. And so the body of Christ had to make adjustments. Some of y'all have had to make adjustments. How many of you know that Donald Trump's not your pastor? But he did get James Robinson led in the Lord. You're going to have to do the same thing with him that you did with the apostle Paul. Paul got saved on the road to Damascus. But Donald Trump got saved on the way to the White House. And, and I mean, he, he, you may say, I don't like it. Well, it don't matter. At least there's a voice in the White House for righteousness now. Amen. Now, if you don't like that, you understand that we're not God. There's sometimes you have to go, well, there is a God and I'm not him. And he's doing what he wants to and he didn't ask me my permission. Or you. Amen. All right. I know that. Boy, you get on politics, you get... And pretty sour Christians. So in 1 Kings, let's jump to chapter 18. It's been, it's been probably about three years now. And God is sending Elijah back to King Ahab. And listen to the word he said. It came to pass after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah the third year and said, go present yourself to Ahab. I'm going to send rain on the earth. So what is rain? Why, why is, we think to ourselves, what's rain? I mean, we don't think like that much. We have hurricanes and wish with God we didn't have all this rain. But without rain, they don't have food. They don't have crops. They don't have, they don't have grass. They don't have cattle. They don't have goats. They don't have milk. They don't have cheese. Rain's everything. So when the prophet said no rain, that's the end of prosperity for these people. You're going to go looking for grass, and that means there's day, the days ahead aren't good. And Elijah Elijah's the one that prophesied that in obedience to God. But now God's about to turn it around, but not without the Israel being confronted. God's going to deal with his people now. He's already showed them. You want to play this game? Because Israel had fallen away from God. Now, let's read on because we're in, we're in days now where we need to hear the voice of the prophet. You've got to hear, what are the prophets saying? All right. So, so let's jump to verse 17. We don't need to get into all of him uh, at the brook and uh, Obadiah and all the, get into se verse 17, 18, 17. And it happened when Ahab saw Elijah. Ahab said, is that you, old troubler of Israel? Who troubled Israel? Did the prophet trouble Israel? All right, let me give you a real powerful thought. 
You hear young people come home and say, the teacher gave me an F. Is that true? No. No. The teacher didn't give you an F. You gave you an F. Oh, here's another one. The police officer gave me a ticket. Did the police give you a ticket? Or did you give you a ticket? Now, here's the problem in our our society today. We're not accustomed to taking responsibility for your share revenue coupons. I don't want to live in a country where we don't have police. And I'm going to tell you myself right now, I don't drive slow because I'm noble. I, I believe in speed limit and grace. 45 is 49. Religiously 49. I mean, I'm just, we got police officers in here and now they're going to start watching me. But, you know, I, I like getting where I'm going. I don't, you know, and, and it's not like I'm so noble. You know, you walk in and say, our pastor, he's so humble. Well, yeah, because I don't like supporting the police department with half of the money I could spend on ammunition. I don't really want to give it to them. So I do watch myself. But aren't you glad they're there? What would it be like to live in a nation if we didn't have them? So when we use the term judgment, listen to me, it's not the bad word you thought it was. Judgment is nothing more than God correcting you and going, you really don't want to keep going down that road. You might want to make some adjustments in your life. You know, if you'd ever brush your teeth, judgment's coming. I'll tell you about it one day. The prophet polygrip. All right. No, I don't have dentures. So is Elijah the troubler? No. Are the preachers preaching righteousness the troublers? Now, I'm going to say this to you because if you live for God, someone's going to look at you and tell you you're trouble. And you are to Satan. I've had total strangers walk up to me and say, you are trouble. I said, Satan, you are correct. I know I'm talking to a spirit. If y'all have never had that happen, you're probably not that big of a problem to him. But I have been a little bit of a trouble to the devil before. You sure about that? I mean, it's like he goes, Daryl, I know, and Paul, I know, but I don't know anything about you. All right, let's move on. And he answered and said, I haven't troubled Israel, but you and your father's house had, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Underline that in your Bible. I want you to see this. We're going to talk about this. What is Baal? What is Baal worship? Baal worship is child sacrifice. Now, most Christians have a tough time going to a church where the pastor preaches on living right or dealing with uh, what society's ills. But where else are you going to hear it? You want to hear another success story, another, you know, rah, rah, re, kick him in the knee sermon. (laughs) And I don't blame you. I love to hear him myself. But we also need to hear this because we're in the middle of this. And, And Baal worship is child sacrifice. So there's a lot of people right now, and we're going to get, we'll get into this. They haven't really picked a side, and if they have, no one knows what side they're on. So I want to show you from the Bible, what does God say about abortion? What's he say about it? So if you would, go to Proverbs 6.16. And I, I'm doing this for two reasons. Even though most of y'all know this, I'm going to ask you. When you're in a talk, and you should be, do you know where to take your in-laws and your outlaws in the Bible and say, would you please read this? We're going to talk in a minute about your conversations around your tables and at work. I know y'all sound so enthused. What's God think about abortion? It is not birth control. New York just passed, you can abort the baby after he's out of the womb. I think we ought to abort some senators. 
I think we ought to do real late turning point, like 60 years old. You should be aborted. I felt led of the Lord to abort you. These six things the Lord hates, and seven are an abomination. This is the list, guys. This is what God thinks. Now, we're going to get into this in a minute where we're going to talk about this issue we're in is not about race, it's not gender, and it's not political. You can say it is, but you're wrong. And every time this comes up, politics will come up, gender will come up, racism comes up, all kinds of info, but that's, this, is, this is not about any of that. This is about right and wrong, and that's all that it's about. Now, you, now if you're going to walk with God, you better know what I just said. These six things the Lord hates, seven are an abomination to him. Let's go. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. What's God think of killing a baby? So let me ask you a question. You say, well, it's, it, it's my body. That baby's not your body. Who was the first person to recognize when Mary being Mary being pregnant of the Holy Ghost? John the Baptist. Where was he? In Elizabeth. She said, the baby leapt in my womb when you entered the room. The baby was a person who recognized the anointing of God. Jesus said about Jeremiah, I knew you before you were born. You've been around since conception. So so God has an opinion about what we're dealing with in America. And I want you to know, this is the voice. You're going to hear this. Don't turn it off. This is God. And he's talking to the church and he's talking to the world right now. Now, how can you get a man free without truth? You can't do it. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Yeah, but not a lot of people are even saying anything. Go to Matthew 18.6. Let's let's keep going here. Because I want you to make a decision because you say, well, what about these women who got pregnant and they got raped? Well, I'm going to say something here, and I'm not trying to offend you. But if you'll wear a dress bigger than the cotton in an aspirin bottle, you won't get raped. (laughs) Folks, you can't can't run around with no bra and and thongs in a party and drink all night and then blame the boy. It's his fault. I get it. But come on, you are going sick him. Okay, never mind. A lot of stuff's going on. But James Robinson's mother was raped. She didn't murder him. That's sad. I'm not saying it's okay. It's still murder. So we don't call it murder because, you know, that's such a strong word. We'll call it abortion. We don't call homosexuality queer. We call him gay. That's happy. Happy, happy. I'm gay. I'm happy. No, you're not. You're miserable as hell. They are. I'm not against the people. We've had, we've had homosexuals come in here and get born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. I never tell you who they are. You just leave it alone. You don't need to know because you get this thing in your head. You don't need that. So I just leave, leave it alone and you hang out and think they're the greatest thing since sliced bread and it's not your concern. But now let's, I want you to see what God thinks of killing babies. You want to know? Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, what do you think? We're talking about a kid now. We're talking about just a child. It would be better if a millstone hung around your neck and you were thrown in the sea. Does that sound like, hi, I'm God. I love you. You killed a baby? Hey, I'll see you in the ocean. God don't like it. Slap don't like you messing with kids. Because they're innocent. And yet right now we got states 
that you can, you can take the baby's life. You get it. Was it a boy or a girl? Ah, I didn't need another boy. Go ahead. I don't think so. And yet you hear people fighting for this. We're fixing to get a little deeper here. Y'all ready? All right. So Elijah is dealing with this. And he says, now therefore sin and gather all Israel. How much of Israel? Say it again. He wants everybody in Israel, get up here on this mountain because I'm fixing to have a talk with you. And I want you to hear what the prophet says to everyone. This is massive. 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Ashrath who eat at Jezebel's table. Now, wait a minute. I got to back up a minute. Why are there people right now pro-abortion? Did you know it is a billion dollar business? Did you know that they have shots now that they give you in the hospital that are made out of the stem cells of dead babies? When they take that baby out, they, they cut it up like a, like, a, like a chicken, and they sell parts. It's a massive business, and there's a lot of people making money at it. They're eating at Jezebel's table. So you're talking about, when you start talking about anti-abortion, you're getting into people's pockets. You're getting into an industry that they lied to you and told you this is about a mother's rights. It ain't got anything to do with a mother's rights. It has something to do with the fact they need some more parts. They need to sell some more baby parts because the, because the, 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 the pharmaceuticals are using that for, for, to keep you alive, right? If you th- I'm going to say something there. And just, if you don't like it, just... If you think the pharmaceuticals are really interested in you, why is it $100 a pill? And this is a word. That might be tongues. I don't know what that is, but it's like. Doctor gave me some medicine one time, and then it was like a couple hundred dollars a month. And I went down to the health food store, and I said, uh, there's something else I can do. And he goes, absolutely. I said, what is it? He showed me. I said, thank you. Don't shout me down. Oh, I shouldn't say that. When you have kids graduate from college and they're making $250,000 a year selling pills, a little more to this than we love you. All right. I'm not saying you shouldn't make money. All right. I'm proud of the Baptist. In this last election, they led the way in their churches. The pastors got up and started preaching on this stuff. And I'm going to tell you something. It didn't sit well with people who've been hearing, Jesus loves me, this I know for 20 years. We got to make some adjustments. But it took some gutsy men. All right. It says... It says, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people. Now listen to what he said. How long are you going to falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did what? Look at what they did. Answered what? They didn't say anything. Now Now listen, I did this whole sermon for this. This is the problem. This is the problem. I've lived through watching Red Skelton, Jackie Gleason. And I remembered I watched a a movie the other day. It was so old that they didn't even kiss. They just went. "Mm." They didn't kiss on. They didn't even kiss. To go into the movies and watching people just get butt naked. I don't watch it. If I see them, I get up and leave. I don't even have a cosmopolitan in my house. I'll come over here and preach. I mean, I'm just, you don't have to worry about women if you'll just get all the books out of the house. Off your internet. You all, don't need all that stuff. I have a wife. If I want to look at a woman, I have a wife. The Bible says if you have a problem with lust, get married. Hallelujah. Thank you, it is. 
how long are you going to halt between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. Now, let me say something. Are you a Christian? I, I hope people that you work with know it without you saying anything. Do you think people wonder what I believe? Never have. Nobody's ever said, make it plain. Never mind. Go to 1 Corinthians 6. I want to show you this. I'm not talking about being belligerent. I am not talking about you being ugly with people. I'm talking about you being light. There's a major difference in you being salt and light. The reason the pig rots, it's not salted. Now, before we go to this one, let me share this story with you. Back when my father was alive, and uh, he stopped at a smokehouse in South Georgia and bought the whole smokehouse for Christmas presents. He shows up at my house with a ham, had to weigh 50 pounds huge on a rope and we took it to the back porch and hung it up. We didn't put it in the refrigerator. It wouldn't fit in the refrigerator. You didn't need to go in the refrigerator. Why? That thing had a, it had more salt than the Dead Sea. You don't go out and whack a piece of ham off. How many of y'all, y'all older people, you know what I'm talking about? You, you, you had hams on the back porch and you went out and cut a big whack off of it and cooked it up for breakfast, but not until you soak it. You better get the salt out or you're going to be drinking a lot of water if you do that. And the reason that, that that ham made it was the smoke and the salt. And that was a preservative. What happened to America? What happened to us the church lost its salt we started we decided to be quiet and go neutral I don't agree with that but I'm not saying anything now let's let's talk about a couple of preachers I, I, I do it when they're doing good I think Andrew Womack's one of the gutsiest he might appear mild to you but he's one of the few people on television that's actually dealing with issues. And he said, there's a lot of people quit following him, sending money, but he really didn't care. And I'm telling you, it's about time that we started saying some things. The reason that this earth is rotting, when they, when we started, when, when, when they stopped kissing on TV, do you, how many of y'all saw Gone with the Wind? Do you know that Quite frankly, Charlotte, I don't give a blank. What's the first cuss word? Everybody went. And they went, wow. What happened since then? Is anybody cussing on TV now? Are you serious? We didn't go from not kissing. We've gone to just flat out get naked. And you know what? The church is. Well, whatever. Don't shout me down. As long as I've got my paycheck and my kids, it don't matter. It matters. Because your kids are watching it and falling away from God. Because we've been quiet. And we don't want to be uh, homophobic. Well, y'all tongue-talking, devil-chasing, hell, fire, damnation, brimstone, uh, hate-mongering Christians. And we don't want the title, so we're just like sweet and calling it love. It isn't love. How do, you, how do you love someone and not give them truth? They can't get free without truth. That means you're going to say something. Uh, listen to me. I know, I know this is not popular. But when you leave here today, you're going to be confronted with this. And you're going to have times you're sitting and having lunch and dinner and breakfast with a crowd of people. And this conversation's going to go, going to go worldly and, 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 and bail. It's going down that road. Let me tell you what it sounds like. You ready? I don't know why all those people think they got the right to tell people how to live their life. Telling them who they can marry and who can't, they can't marry. It's a woman's body and she ought to be able to do with it what she wants to. The Bible says judge not. Who do you think you are? Have you ever heard that? I heard it. Are you ready? You can just sit there and go, help him, Jesus. 
He's trying to. It's why he put you at the room. But they opened their mouth and said not a word. We don't want to be for Baal, and we don't want to be for God. We're just going to go neutral. You're not going to stay neutral, honey. Boy, I went, that went real big. You're not staying neutral. You're in or out. If Jesus is Lord, this and then let me, let's go down this road. It don't matter what you think I, what I say matters nothing. What Copeland says matters nothing. What did God say? There's a woman. I was over here at, at Lowe's one day buying something, and I said, uh, we have a uh, 501c3. We get tax exempt. She said, are you a pastor? I said, I am. She said, I don't go to church anymore. I said, okay, I'm sorry. She says, they hurt me. I said, honey, they hurt me too. I don't come here for you. Are you serious? I don't go to church because you're here. I go to church because of him. I'm not living for God because of you. As a matter of fact, let me just blow your mind. I'm not living for God for Lisa. I'm not living for God for the kid. I'm living for Jesus because of what he did for me, and that's it. That's all that matters to me right there. All I want to know is what did Jesus say? I listened to Copeland. I listened to Hagen. I listened to Jesse. But, but the bottom line is what did Jesus say? When it, when the, when, what we need to be able to answer is what did God have to say about that? And you and I better know. All right, now I'm going to read one more to you. Look at this right here. Now, you remember there was a thing on television uh, about a couple of guys that did a flip or flop. They flipped houses and they went in and tore the house up and they remodeled. Everybody likes to sit and watch that and hope that one day their house gets to be done. Not Lisa. Lisa draws up the plans and says, I have a flip or flop husband and she just gives the plans to me. And I've been flipping and flopping outside for a couple, few months now. But they fired them because they were Christians. Because their views were not world views. But before they got fired, one of the guys on the set was homosexual. And they came to the two boys and said, why are they firing you? They said, because we're Christians. They said, well, what is that? What? I don't understand. Now, he says, I'm a homosexual and, you know, and I like y'all. So these boys read this scripture to this homosexual. Now, look at what he read to them. Don't you, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Let's read the next one. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. You say, well, that sounds like me. Well, get saved. So they read it to him and he goes, I don't want to go to hell. They said, well, you're going to need to make Jesus Lord. And he says, how do I do that? And they let him, Lord, he got born again. Now, what is Satan trying to do? He's trying to shut you up. I'm going to say that one more time. Society is trying to shut you up. And you're obliging some of them. Go to Matthew. Come on, I'm doing good. You get it happy? Let me tell you something about being happy, about being excited about church. If you don't get excited on holiness scriptures, it's because you're guilty. If you sit there and go, this is for you. You tell on yourself. If you're going, yes, amen, we know, you're living right. Thank you. We finally got somebody got it. <laughs> If you walk out the door and go, that was hard. What did you just tell me? Walk out and go, they needed that. <laughs> Come on, guys. This, I, I, loved, I listened to David Wilkerson and these guys. I listened to um, Derek Prince the other day on fasting. Well, you're talking about a rough sermon. But if your body's not under, you're not worshiping God. We'll get on. That's another sermon for another day. Y'all aren't ready for that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How do you get persecuted? Well, you got to live right. Yes. 
and they got to know you live right. That means that somebody needs to know you're a Christian other than your mama. Now look at this. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Why are they saying things about you? Because you don't do what they do and go where they go and act like they act and believe what they believe. There's no reason for them to persecute you if you're like them or if they don't even know what you believe. The days of being quiet, that's not love. Your days of being quiet, they're over. You got family members sitting around during Thanksgiving and they're talking politics. Or they're talking about the war. Either they love Trump or he started it. I don't know what your family is, but I'm going to tell you something. You're in the middle of these conversations everywhere you go. You're in the middle of the homosexual conversation and the abortion conversation and the political. You can't even go on Facebook. So at some point, you need to weigh in. I don't mean that you need to get ugly. You need to do like the young boys and say, well, let's have a talk. So when, it, when this conversation comes up at, at Thanksgiving and you're the only one there in the room that, that has read their Bible and you're going, well, um, I'm not voting for them. Oh, why not? Well, they're immoral. Oh, yeah, but no, ain't no but. No, there's no but. And, and you got to bring it back to right or wrong. I, I missed a scripture a while ago. I got to go down this road. You're the salt of the earth. If salt loses its flavor, how's it going to be seasoned? It's good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. God did not put you on a lampstand and stick a bushel on top of your head so nobody would see your light. He put you in that job so they'll have a light. They'll know right from wrong. They can come out of darkness. You can't do that if the bulb is off. I've worked in the world. I'm not ignorant of what goes on. I I worked on an all-black crew. And some of y'all never knew this. That was my final place God put me before pastoring. He wanted to introduce me to a race I knew nothing about. Went to an all-white high school, an all-white family, an all-white neighborhood. Everything white. Everything white. The walls are white. The floor is white. The car was white. Everything's white. And God likes color. So he puts me on an all-black crew. Boy, you, you talking about a whole different world, brother. And, and don't think that they didn't want me to pay for everybody that ever came over here on a ship. And it was rough. And they did it in fun, but still, they're having fun at my expense. Finally, one day, Omar Walker comes up to me, and I've been working for him. Now, people know love. I'm not racist. I love God. I love you. I don't care what color you are. As a matter of fact, all you, white, all you black people that think white people are racist, they're at the beach trying to be you. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> but, but to me it was fun because I got to introduce to a culture but Omar Walker was a former Black Panther and he came to me one day and said what you got I said what do you mean what you got he said you got something I don't have and I want it and I'm thinking I don't have anything what are you, what are you talking about he said we give you a lot of trouble that's not what he said but he said adjective 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 you don't have to leave he said we give you a heck I said, yes, you do. He said, but you don't rattle. I said, no, I don't. He said, I want it. Sat right there on a concrete block and got the man born again. Took him to my house that night, got him filled with the Holy Ghost. And him and Brenda, his wife, pastored a church in Claremont for the last three or four years of their life before he he died. On fire for God. Why? Well, I'm a light. Do do you you think we talked about stuff? Oh, we talked about some stuff. One of the things about working when you're preaching, they can't go home. <laughs> See, if you don't like me, you just kind of go, 
I don't feel led from the Lord to go back. The Lord is leading me to another church. Well, I wish the Lord would quit. He is screwing us up. Yeah, I said it. All right, there's a scripture I wanted you to see. Isaiah 520, pop it on screen. Let's look at this. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. I'm going to let you out in about 15 minutes, so y'all just go ahead and endure. Now look at this scripture. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You know what our society is doing? They have swapped. They're calling what God calls wicked, they're calling that good. And they're calling what we call good, wicked. And the church has gone along with it for the most part. Until lately, the church is changing. People in the church are coming out of the closet and they're starting to stand for righteousness. And don't think I hadn't had some conversations with people. And you know what? Often they'll argue, but they really want to know. They really do want to know. Because their heart's bothering them. Their soul is bothering them. And they see you full of joy. They may fight and argue with you, but you've got to answer. You've got to know something. You've got to open up and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not talking politics. I'm not talking politics with you. I'm talking right and wrong. What's wrong? Is it wrong? Well, don't know. Don't well me. Is it wrong? What did Jesus say about killing baby? What did he say about it? Don't go political on me. Well, yeah, right. There's the point. What did he say about men and men? What did God say? Well, I believe nobody asked you. Yeah, but I think that's hate. Well, that's, you have an opinion, but let's read it. You read it to them and they're like, Whoa, I never knew it. Boy, you think people know this? We got, listen, we got people in church don't know this. We got pastors who don't know this. I have job security. As long as there's ignorant people in the popcorn, I'll be doing fine. And there's some ignorant folk in the popcorn. All right, go to, go, 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 go to, oh, yeah, uh, 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 go back to Kings. Go back to First Kings. I should not have let you jump away out of there. Look at verse 30. 1830. And Elijah said to the people, come near me. And all the people came near him. And he repaired the altar that was broken. All right, let's stop. Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. We've preached it, and we've preached it, and we've preached it. Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 is who you are in Christ and what Jesus did for you on the cross. But there's Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. There's more in your Bible. And you say, well, Paul was a grace preacher. He also preached live right. We just want to preach. See, y'all, listen to me. There's a, there's a voice in the earth right now. And, and many of you are old enough to remember altars in churches. Something happened when we took the altars out of the church. So I'm going to tell you a story right now. When I got born again, I made an altar to God. And I gave him me. Now, we have a whole generation of young people that have never heard what I'm going to say. You can be what you want to be and go where you want to go and do what you want to do. That's a lie. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, that, you know, you be changed by renewing your mind. Yeah, we like that one. And then it says, put your body under as a living sacrifice to God. That means that we have to have times where we get back in an altar and we say, God, what do you want me to do? How am I doing How's my life? Show me what I need to work on and change. We need altars. We need times when we come back and put the rocks back and, and get on our knee. And the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. 
Now, this is where we are. I just read a scripture about the, the church splitting and the best days of the church are ahead. But God is not coming in a church with lukewarm Christians. You can sing kumbaya. You can hear three sermons, three hymns, three hers, and listen to me preach and go home and eat your pizza and say that was awesome. But if you want him in your life, you're going to put an all. You're going to get an altar back in your life, and that's and that's not who you are in Christ. That's not what Jesus did for you. That's what you're doing for God. And we need we need times where we're going and going. Okay, God. So I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a quick. I'm going to try to make it quick. But after I got born again, I was all excited about preaching the gospel and living for Jesus and uh, being like Kenneth Copeland and Jesse. And uh, never mind, you can nobody can act like Jesse. And I, and I left Ramah, and I came to Orlando, and I had a youth group, and my life fell apart. I'm in the middle of the will of God. Wife left, kids left, church kicked me out, and the place I work hates me, and I ain't hardly eating. Now, that, that's tough. You know what I do? I love Jesus. I went to church. I read my Bible, but I'm not full bore anymore. Don't shout me down. One day I'm driving down Overland Road. I've been working construction. When you're lukewarm, you're miserable. So I was miserable. I still read my Bible, prayed in tongues, but I'm miserable. And the Lord said, when are you going to do what I want you to do? And I said, what do you want me to do? And he said, I am not telling you until you tell me you'll do it. And I'm thinking, oh, I might not want to do it. Am I the only one in here that ever had a fight with? Now, you understand, the romance side of Christianity is gone. Now, we're down to me and Jesus. It's not good, and he wants to know where I'm standing. And I said to him, I'm afraid. I am afraid. I'm afraid of what you'll ask me to do. I said, I lost a family serving you. I lost a church serving you. I lost everything serving. Are you ready? Because you want to be in ministry, it's going to cost you to stay in it. It will cost you to stay in the will of God. You ain't going to be getting up and going from church hopping, church hopping because of your little flesh. You better find out what he told you to do and go do it. And when it gets tough, you just knuckle down and do it anyway. Don't shout me down. So on Overland Road in a 76 blue Toyota pickup truck, I bowed over that steering wheel and I wept my guts out. I said, God, I'll go where you say go and I'll do what you say do. And I gave him me. I made an altar. Now God has blessed me. But he didn't bless me without an altar. And he ain't blessing you either. And he's not taking this church into this next move of God that you won't until we get altars back in our churches and we get ourselves back where we're supposed to be. If he's Lord, then he's Lord. It's quiet in here. You know what I was afraid of? Two things. Number one, he would ask me. See, I was going to the islands one week a month, and that was fine with me. I'm away from Lisa some, but I'm not going all the time. But what if he asked me to travel like Brother Hagen? I'm away from my family. I just got married. I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. My second fear, he was going to ask me to pastor. <laughs> I did not know how to do this. I didn't even think I could. Construction, yes. Pastor, are you serious? You got to be nice to people. 
When you're working construction and you call them all a bunch of idiots, they don't care. You just don't do it Sunday morning. You just say, well, y'all are incorrect. <laughs> Second Corinthians 6, 14, we're going to close with this. Now, I said all this today for this reason. I'm not just preaching a sermon. This is exactly what the Holy Spirit's saying to the whole body of Christ. You're going to hear this a lot. You're going to hear men start preaching this. And it's going to be a new sound. You need to make this adjustment. You need to make that adjustment. You need to get involved in what's going on in Washington. And you need to let your voice be heard. And you need to stand up for righteousness. Now, I know Nikki is not afraid of Facebook. I've read her Facebook. She's like, man, bam, bam. So this is not for Nikki, but it might be for Jim. You never know. <laughs> Jim, am I right? I mean, she's like, mm. yeah, yeah. Let's read this. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? You are the temple of the living God, and God said, I'll dwell in them, I'll walk among them, I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. Therefore, what? Get out of that world. You get out of that mess. Now, I'm going to tell you all something right now. I don't watch every movie that comes out. I'm, I'm, I'm very picky on what I go see. I want to see the one called Genesis. I, there, I mean, I'm not anti-movies, TV, or anything. But I am very picky at what I sit and watch and, and what I support and what I put my money in. I'm very, I'm very picky on, on where I do business. I mean, I know everybody likes Starbucks, but I don't, I don't frequent Starbucks. He, he's already declared that he's a Satanist, and I'm like, well, you just lost me. And that, 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 that's a personal story. You do what you want to. But, the, but my Bible says come out from among them. I'm not, I don't have to look like them, walk, talk. I don't need earrings, and I don't need tattoos. And you don't either. I'm not saying if you have them, you know, go home and erase them and be, don't, don't worry about it. You just go, well, I was ignorant and move on. Let me tell you something. They're out there doing their thing and it's anti-God. And you don't need to look and walk. You do, well, we need to blend. You need to blend. And you need to, light bulbs don't blend. You're like, whoa, Morgan's here. Woo. They ought to say that when you walk in the room. Oh, my God, they're here. I walk around praying in tongues in public. They don't care. They don't know nothing about nothing. You walk through the mall. They think you're on the phone. <laughs> How many of y'all are ready for a move of God? I'm ready for a strong move of God. Let me tell you something. We've heard a lot about the days that are coming. And I'm going to tell you something, they are coming. But the prophets are going to start preaching and they're going to start speaking. Amen. And you're going to hear that there is a divide they're, they're talking about. You're going to make some decisions in your life. And if you're a Christian, it's time for everybody to know it. Are you all okay? All right, come back next week. It'll, I'll try to be nicer. If you came in here today and you say, I'm not where I should be. Listen, it's okay. You're here, aren't you? You wouldn't be here if you weren't hungry for God. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not talk, preaching condemnation, but I am preaching separation from the world. It's time for us to be very different than everybody around us. People are looking for leaders, and they're looking for you to lead them. I like something Zach said yesterday. Because of his work environment, they look to him as a leader. Well, he is. When you do well, people want to know what you're doing. And there's times people will ask you questions. That's your time to sit down and say, well, I'm going to get a Bible out. 
Nikki will tell you this, and I shot competition pistol at IDPA. And I walked up to him and I said, why are y'all having a moment of silence? I said, why don't you pray? They said, oh, we don't know. I said, well, I'll pray. Are they Christians? I don't know. I don't care. So Nikki will tell you that they had a couple of shoots and I wasn't there. They didn't pray. I'm thinking, am I the only guy there this morning again? You say, well, that takes guts. Right, it does. I don't care what you think. I've been in the city hall. Asked me to come pray. I always preach. I do. They give me two minutes, and I mean, you got to really think to say something in two minutes. And I'll open up my Bible and show them what they're going to have to do if they want this city to prosper, and then I pray. I'm not, afraid of, I'm not afraid of all these people. When we had the mayor's prayer breakfast, I'm the first person ever gave an altar call. Not ashamed of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, bow your head. It's a prayer meeting. I don't care if the senators and, the, and all the other ignorant people are here. I don't care. That's why, you're, that's why I'm preaching, because y'all are here. I know I'm not in your churches, so I'll just get you here. And everybody in the building, I don't know how many men it, but everybody in the building lifted their voices and began to pray. Confess Jesus as Lord. When I started, I couldn't even get the men to use the name of Jesus. Well, it might offend somebody. Well, you've offended God. I stood up and said, in the name of Jesus. The mayor, Land, Mayor Land told me one time, right before he died, he said, he said, well, you know, we don't want to upset anybody. I said, Mayor Land, you're, you're almost 90 years old. You're past worrying about what people think. You're going to die soon. Get right with God. And so he, now he came to me at a meeting here in Apopka. And after I said that to him, I was kind. I said it sweetly. And he said, Pastor Morgan, come up here and pray with me. And he held my hand and prayed in front of all the people in Apopka in the name of Jesus. I grabbed his hand and squeezed it and hugged him. And I said, I'm proud of you. That's, that's salt. That's salt. I sat with all the pastors in this city. And I said, are you a hireling? Is that what you're doing? Is getting a paycheck? Are you a Christian? Why are you afraid to pray in the name of Jesus? They're not getting saved because you're like them. They're not getting, if your God can't change you, they don't want your God. And I mean, it took, it took a little while, but the last prayer meeting we had, everybody prayed in the name of Jesus. Come on, y'all. Say, are you ready to start being salt and light? I could tell you a hundred stories. People walking up to me in, in Winn-Dixie and talking to me and say, Pastor, I, I have these things. I, I said, well, let's pray. They go, here? Yes. Y'all know the story. You know, this lady that came one Sunday and I, I, I had a word of knowledge that someone here needed prayer and she didn't respond. So at Winn-Dixie, she came and said, it was me. I didn't want to fall down in front of all those people. I said, oh, really? And you're telling me now in Winn-Dixie? You think you're safe? I said, well, let's pray now. She, then she's the one who went, here? I said, honey, we had carpet. And I made her lift her hands up, and I laid hands on her, and God filled her with the Holy Ghost, and I laid hands on her. She went out between the maters and the taters. And I walked away, and she's laying in Winn-Dixie talking in tongues on the floor. I went, well, you, you, you picked this place. Yeah, I couldn't go. Well, there, I mean, that, that's your problem. I'm not backing off just because we're in Winn-Dixie. This is good, isn't it? Ready to pray? Father, I love these people, and I know you do. I'm not preaching a sermon just to preach another sermon. 
this is really, this is really a major issue in America. We have a nation that needs Jesus really bad. We pray it, we talk about it, but the only Jesus they'll ever see is us. It's time that we made the decision to become the salt and light that you called us to be. It's time for us to open our mouth and start talking about the issues that are important without worrying about what people think about us. Father, we love them. We care about them. They're on the wrong path, and they need to hear our voice. I know that you've put prophets in the land, and they're starting to talk about the word repentance. It's not a word we hear much in church anymore. But there are things we do need to turn from and come back to what you said. I pray that right now in this church, right here in this room, I know there's people sitting here that have, have made, they've, they're doing things or they're going directions that you didn't tell them to do. I'm asking you to bring them back. I'm asking you to get the fire going back in their life and in their heart. I'm asking you to bring them back to where Jesus is totally Lord. And Father God, I thank you for your goodness and I pray they leave today and not, and not bemoan the fact that Mary Fran was not here. I think you had a reason for that. And I pray that every person, the sound of my voice, that their best days are ahead of them. And they'll see your glory and they'll see your goodness. That you'll leave today and get a revelation of what it means to, to submit and, and to yield to your perfect will for their life. And I give you praise and honor. I've done everything that you've asked me to do. And I'm going to have to leave this to you now, sir, in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website, and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this, we grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.